0: what is your beef with the mac hello you are listening to grape culture the podcast where we talk about wine pop culture and feminism i'm kim i'm sam and we hope you enjoy the show this week's episode we are going to be talking about the book and tv show daisy jones and the six by taylor jenkins reed but before we get into that and the sex drugs and rock and roll of the 70s we're going to get into some posh wine (laughs) so kim what did you get us this week so i got from majestic the making tracks shiraz clues in the name i thought that it was funny because they make they make tracks and yeah yeah i mean no further explanation needed cool. also it's technically spring by the time you hear this It'll probably be in a fucking heat wave but it's still shitting it down and i'm always and forever in a red wine mood so the back of the bottle says making wines didn't come easy for australia the first vines arrived in sydney harbour in 1788 and winemakers have been busy carving up the landscape ever since Making tracks as a tribute to this Aussie endeavour, boldly daring to go where none had gone before. Do it in an Australian accent, please. Absolutely not. Okay. This Shiraz is from South Australia, big and juicy, fruity and smooth. There are, th- there are three O's. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Extra smooth. A true Aussie classic. The taste notes on the website are... Shiraz is Australia's star grape This is bold and full of dark bramble fruit Everything a big Aussie red should be And there's plenty of flavour for the price Jammy blackberry and blackcurrant Pepper and vanilla spice Excellent with beef short ribs So specific, love it Very specific Nice. So yeah, crack on Grand, let's, let's open it Let's get it in our faces Don't mind if I do ooh. ooh. I like the smell Cheers mm me too it's like alcoholic ribena yeah very very much alcoholic ribena a mm. bit vimto-y. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> notes of vimto Ooh, ooh. <sighs> oh hey. oh my god that what's the, happening in my mouth the blackcurrant it's so blackcurranty do we think it's more ribena or vimto important question i think it's more like dilute ribena i was gonna say ribena mm. I, I it's all, more on the ribena spectrum yeah, Ribena Spectrum. That's a good band name. I would go and see Ribena. It sounds like Regina Spectre, but like a tribute band. Yeah, I'm up for that. Yeah. Ribena. Also with the Cranberries. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Come to our fruit festival! <laughs> anyway, so back to the wine. I quite like it. Yeah, I do too. I was concerned after having white pre drink that it was going to be a bit cloying, but it's very light. Mm-hmm. It is quite light. I think that's the ribinariness of it. The ribinary. Rab- Rabini, I was worried that I wouldn't be able to taste it, having had red pre drink, but right. it's quite a distinct flavour, I think. Yeah. It's nice. And it's not as heady vanilla-y you get a lot of charazes I think it will be, if there is a headache to be had, it's going to be a sharp headache <laughs> at the end of this. Yeah. Daisy Jones and the Six. Daisy Jones. Davy Jones. Davy Jones's six. Locker. Yeah. <laughs> and the Six. And the Six. Yeah, so we are discussing a combination of both the book and the TV show. The book was adapted for Amazon Prime and came out recently so we both watched the full series we both listened to the audiobook which is a very different experience i imagine than reading the book but we'll get on to that mm-hmm. would you like to give a potted summary of daisy jones and the six for I'm anyone who might not i can but I'll great try. okay <laughs> sure so daisy jones and the six is a mock documentary transcript mm-hmm. i would say of a famous rock band from the 70s that basically they had two albums one one album as daisy jones and the six one album as the six a hu- huge tour they were absolutely phenomenal and then they just broke up and never and no one really know, knows what happened mm-hmm. they all went their separate ways and the the book and then the show is set an amount of time later it difference between the two as a kind of Behind the music m t v esque tell all of this is this is who was in it and what happened, yeah, an oral history as it were, and it follows two separate entities, Daisy Jones, who is a the daughter of rich parents who was sort of neglected and otherwise unloved, who was very much a muse of various artists in the seventies, but has dreams and aspirations of being a songwriter herself and is a really like fiery character.
1: Oh she's redheaded
0: and fiery. I though. know, I know. And then the six, which is the sort of classic American story of a garage band between brothers and their friends that, that came good, basically. Yeah. Um, and how they they intertwine and the people that they sort of attach along the way. And specifically Billy Dunn, who is the frontman of the six, who has a, a complicated and passionate relationship with Daisy as co-songwriters, as co-front people, as people who are addicted to drugs and addicted to each other and addicted to the drama and the and, alcohol. And the alcohol. And it follows that the the whole sort of tumultuous rise of them to fame and -hmm. then why it all fell apart featuring every member of the six as well as billy's wife and and sort of the music producers and it's a bit of a behind the scenes of the how music gets made in the 70s as well and it is loosely not very loosely based on fleetwood mac it's so mac it's, like, even the design of the <laughs> yeah. logo and everything. Yeah. yeah. It's it's very very Fleetwood Mac. Rumours era reminiscent after yeah. Lindsay Buckingham and Stevie Nicks joined the band. But, yeah, I, I'm not that au okay with Fleetwood Mac. Like, I know, I know some of the songs, but I, I don't know the full history. I came to them quite late in a kind of... That they were always around, but never was really into it kind of way yeah which obviously i learned the error of my ways <laughs> yeah no that's i mean that is it it's a a rockumentary in book form about a 70s band i don't know why a rockumentary made me laugh but it did because all i thought of was geology <laughs> 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 but yeah that is that is pretty much it and like i said it it was a book first and then yeah it was adapted for a tv show in 2023 yeah, so the reason that we're talking about it now is because the show's been on Amazon Prime and it's it's kind of a huge deal, it's... and also because I think there was a lot of trepidation about the show and what what it would do because it's quite a beloved book. It's very buzzy on Instagram and booktop. Yeah, it's topped many a bestseller list, and so we're gonna talk sort of mostly comparatively about the two the two formats, the show and the book. Mm-hmm. As Sam mentioned, we both read it on audiobook, Mm -hmm. which I think adds another dimension to it because of the fact that it was a full cast audiobook that was particularly well received. So when I ask you, what did we like or not like, I mean about the show. So the show is mainly very faithful to the book, but there are some strange changes that they chose to make. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I am a big fan of 70s Soft rock, particularly. Soft rock sounds even worse. So, yeah, this I, I was excited for the show because I love Fleetwood Mac. I love Dire Straits. I love many, many... Diff- Led Zeppelin, all of those kind of ones. So I thought this was going to be good because it gave me a chance to listen to the songs that were in the book. Mm-hmm. But I think that was both a good and a bad thing because the problem is, when you write a book about the world's biggest rock band, when they're a fictional rock band, you have to... Create a show that delivers music that lives up to them being Mm -hmm. the greatest rock band ever. And granted, the most popular bands are not always the best bands. But I don't think musically what was delivered in the show was up to the standard of of what I would have expected. Mm. But it is a very fucking tall order to say something is the best and then have to prove it. Yeah. When I first heard that they were turning it into a show with the songs... Yeah. All I kept thinking and all I kept saying was like, it made me think of Tenacious D. This is <laughs> this is just it's like they keep talking about how this is the best band and the best yeah. songs and it's so thing and it so this and so that and then of course the lore around this book being that this is Fleetwood Mac and Fleetwood Mac is so beloved, but it's not <laughs> like they said, oh hey. We're bringing Mick Fleetwood and Lindsay Buckingham on to do the music. Yeah, it's not exactly. Like, they said that. like no, or or pick you know pick a songwriter of the modern mm. generation. Mm. Um, they're not saying that. They're saying someone somewhere has to write songs better or equal to Fleetwood Mac, one of the most celebrated bands of all time, one of the most highest selling albums that still sells to this day. One of the yeah, like it's it's a high fucking bar. And, that this It's set. like cool. No pressure. <laughs> no pressure then. And it's never gonna be what people necessarily imagine. That's a that's a hurdle that it has to jump. That is yeah. It's it's set up not it doesn't only have to meet the expectations of this is one of the most popular books, you have to do the book justice, but you have to do the music justice. It's two mediums that it has to live up to mm. um which is really hard to do. What I was gonna say there was there's a movie that came out in the nineties that I think not many people have heard of but it's actually pretty really good it's it's, this, it's called Still Crazy and it's about a rock band who were popular in the 70s they broke up they get back together again in the 90s to do a reunion tour and the whole point was that just like Daisy Jones and the Six they were the height of their game and then they just quit and never did it again but the person or the people that did the music for that film were a foreigner who were an established oh. band wow. and the soundtrack is fucking great and it's like if you want some if you want music from that era, get musicians from that era. Not that you have to, you can emulate it, you know, yeah. But yeah. I just feel like that would have been it would have been so cool to be like, we've got, I don't know, Robert Plant to do music or yeah. something like that. And it's not like they're not making music still. No, exactly. So it's And definitely... it's not like Amazon don't have the fucking budget. <laughs> True. It just it felt like such a challenge and I I thought that when I heard that they were making the music as well, I, I was I felt differently, and perhaps because I don't have the same like affinity for seventies music, seventies is kind of not really my vibe. You're an eighties, I'm an eighties child. Yeah, but that I was a bit like, I want to imagine it as the best song in the world. I don't really want to hear it. Yeah, and I was right. Yeah, because there was a lot to like about the show. And actually I have to say the quality of the songs and the singing and the music performance and stuff was great. And I did enjoy a lot of that. And I really enjoyed watching them make the music and write the music. And Mm. there were moments where they, you know, they play something and they play around with it. And I thought that that was really good. But actually I think that some of the songs that came out of it, They just really took me out of the moment and we were both looking in the physical book for the lyrics to the songs to see whether they were originally in the book and we just missed them or whether they were written for the show and specifically we're talking about Regret Me, which is completely rewritten for the show and has a line. Oh god, it's so bad. What is it? Like, I'm gonna regret you, dude. It's go ahead and regret me, but I'm beating you to it, dude. Yes, And Uh, it uh, just oh, so jarring. Who says dude in the song? It's so jarring. Who says dude in the song? And it made me think of. Have you seen the film where everyone forgets who the Beatles are? Oh, yesterday. Yeah. No, I've not seen it yet. Right. So in that. the the, the brief premise of that is that everyone's Mm. forgotten who the Beatles are and only this one guy knows and then he remembers them like he's writing all the songs as if they're his own and then the music label is like how about we change Hey Jude to Hey Dude (laughs) and then Ed Sheeran helps him write it. Why? I know it's hilarious it's absolutely hilarious and I kept thinking about that and that's what that felt like because it's Mm. meant to be how could you change this song to to include dude I mean fucking seriously it, and this in this show I kept thinking like they're making such a big deal about the word dude in this song like it's like a really like cutting it's, line it's because as well oh. that that particular line is sung at the end of the chorus with no backing instrumental the vocalist song on its own so it's really fucking stands out yeah. it's not like an accidental dude it's not like a dude you just slip in phrasing Wait. but <laughs> It's a deliberate, dude. At the yeah. end, and, but it also it's meant to be it's in the bad. premise of the the show. This is the song that she writes to get back at him, basically. Oh, burn! <laughs> and so, yeah, literally. And you're like, oh my god, this is this is like. K you Brands. feel like you did something, and you really didn't. Yeah, there's. I mean, the whole premise of the book, and the whole thing that made the book so popular, is this rivalry, not rivalry, like you said, this complex, passionate love-hate thing between Daisy and Billy. Billy is married to Camilla. There's this kind of... You've got Camilla on one side who is this not safe option. She's fiery and she's everything in her own right, but she's the very much the good angel on the shoulder as Mm. it were and then you've got daisy who's the drug taking addict and who he makes great music with on the other side and it's about this tension between them and then for their sniping in lyrical form to come down to i'm beating you to it dude yeah why yeah why was that anyway these are very specific likes and dislikes yeah (laughs) Uh, but the music is obviously a huge part of this show. Yeah. And the, the album itself, Aurora, is on Spotify and also the the songs they do as the, the Dunn Brothers are also there as well. And it is a grower, not a shower. I do like the music, but fuck me, dude. Yeah. But I think that the fascinating thing about the book is that it's about the people behind the music. Yes. Not the music. Whereas the show centred the music centered the songs centered the songwriting had several jam sessions and making and music video bits and stuff and genuinely i was like i'm bored because it's not music that you already love and want to see made yeah i've watched music documentaries hello miss americana (laughs) and i have been fascinated to see and would continue to watch how songs get made, how lyrics like change and 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 how evolve. yeah evolve and how they work. Like I've, I swear to God, I've watched the clip of Taylor Swift coming up with the lyrics of "Getaway Car" a thousand times, but I don't know these fucking songs. No. They're not real songs to me, no. and they weren't real songs until the show decided to make them real songs. And I am more interested in everything else that's going on. And it took. I think if you'd cut out, like, even half of those scenes, the show would have been shorter and got to the bits that I liked faster. Yeah, it's true, though, that, like, you don't have the investment in the writing process and therefore it makes the writing process really quite boring to see for three episodes straight. Yeah. Which is what we got with this. Yeah. And I feel like they could have spent a lot more time on dynamics outside of the studio. So one thing that I did actually like was some but not all, of the casting. Which is that I do really think that Riley Keough was a good choice for Daisy. And I was interested in the casting from the beginning because I think that there was a lot of conversation around who would play it and would it be a musician. And she's not a musician. But she's from a musical family. She's from a musical family, but she says you know, I'm not trained as a musician, I hadn't really sung before and all this sort of stuff. And just because you have one person in your family that... Two? Lisa Marie was a musician as well? Yes, fine. Just because you have people in your family that are musical does not necessarily mean that you are not tone deaf. Mm. But I thought that she gave this iteration of Daisy far more substance and intrigue and interest and did it in an excellent way than actually I think that maybe the show in lesser hands would have provided. Yeah. There was other things I liked, but that she really was the standout for me yeah. in this. And I think that this is a standout role for her in a way that... I don't think this will forever typecast her as Daisy Jones, but she is Daisy Jones. Yeah, and I think this has made her a name in ways that other things that she's been and hasn't yeah. as much. Yeah, I don't want to... I actually do not want to define... Riley Keough by her family. Mm-hmm. But I do think it's difficult to watch this show knowing who she is and knowing the background she's from because of when it's set. And yeah. so the show so the show is set in the 1970s. I think the final concert is in 1977, which is when Riley Keough's grandfather Elvis Presley died. Mm-hmm. So I did find myself watching it and being like Elvis's granddaughter, Elvis's granddaughter and it really drew me out of it. Which is nothing to do with the way she was doing it, but it's I think because it's so. It's because there's an overlap, and there's yeah. a, there is one very brief moment in a trailer when there's an Elvis movie on TV, and I'm like, Meta! Yeah <laughs> Granddad." <laughs> she did a great job, but I almost think that she surpasses it. Yes, or yeah, defines herself separate from it in a way that you could go into this show being like, "Okay, let's watch Elvis's granddaughter." What, what oh yeah. yeah, and you you could end the show being like, oh my God, Daisy James. And I think in terms of, like, she, yeah, she absolutely nails the role. and she, she is Daisy. I think what was also really great to see in the casting choice with Riley is that it would have been very easy, and I think we will talk a bit more about this in a, in a bit, but it would be very easy to make Daisy this sort of very elfin, cute physicality. Mm. And Riley Keough is, she's tall. Yeah. She's very beautiful. But in not a way that is celebrated as much in Hollywood as it should be. And I yeah. think that was really cool as well. Yeah. She's more athletic. It's it's that they didn't choose, for example, a Jennifer Lawrence esque who I think was considered for this role mm. bodacious bod like thing. And that's not a bad thing. We all you know, like God love a bodacious bod, but <laughs> they chose someone who was beautiful, but beautiful in an angular way. Yeah. And I think that's important because one of the things that I didn't, I didn't know much about this, the adaptation going in, obviously I've read the book, but I didn't know much about the making of, except that I had seen a clip of Riley Keough talking in which she talks about, how they decided what Daisy's hair was going to look like, hmm. and that they had gone onto Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, etc., and looked at fan art, hmm. and all of it had the same kind of hair. This this like bangs and long bangs, waves. tangly like long waves, etc. And it wasn't perfectly coiffed like a pantene ad. It was it was slightly dishevelled and everything and Florence and the Machine vibes (laughs) yeah very much and they were like well that's it that's Daisy and I think that even before I really appreciated that they did that because this is a show that is made because there are so many fans of the book but I also think that the showrunners maybe even before casting Riley Keir was that they did a similar thing which is they really thought about like you say, the time period, the kind of looks that they were going for, the kind of... It's not all about physicality, but the kind of aesthetic that was happening. And if you think of someone like Joni Mitchell or, mm. or Janice Joplin or all that sort of stuff, like it, mm. it fits into all of that. Yeah, And I think that that is really... I just think that that's a really strong positive. I have some negatives about the casting, but I think you do too. Yeah, should we talk about Billy? Yes. Let's talk about Billy Dunn. So Billy Dunn in the series was played by Sam Cleflin, who most famously played Finn in The Hunger Games. Yeah. is British actor, has been in other things as well, but that's probably the thing he was known for best before this. I think his performance was pretty strong. What I don't and you will always get this with any book adaptation his physicality was not what i'm what i pictured for billy what do you think i strongly agree his performance was excellent mm. like he was very good he's mm-hmm. a very good actor and this was it was very well played and i understand why they chose him mm. for the kind of stringy vibes. But he's not what I pictured Billy no. as. No. Now, what did you picture Billy as? Because I think we talked about this off-mic. Yeah, we did. So I pictured Billy as like solid, kind of, not not fat, just like solid middle America, double denim wearing, less angular, more like that. Whereas Sam Plevin is like a very good looking man, but he's also very, very planed, very chiselled. Very chiselled. I saw Billy with a tiny bit of a tummy or something. Yeah. I said to you some more stubble. And I stand by it that I saw him as Blake Shelton Light. Yeah. Yeah. Like a that. younger, slightly more attractive. Slightly less jaw. <laughs> Blake Shelton. And bearing in mind that Blake Shelton was at one point voted sexiest man alive. I Which is... has got I'm not sure about this. Yeah, well, people can a people. And <laughs> I feel bad because I say this I've said this about Sam Claflin before which is that when he was cast as Finn in The Hunger Games yeah. who is described as like the most beautiful person in the world and rippled and chiseled and blah, blah 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 and he's so hot and he's so beautiful and blah 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 I didn't picture him at all. And when he was cast, I was almost annoyed because I was like... It's not that. They, they did something weird with his hair as well, which really didn't They gave help. him, like, beach boy frost... Like, they, 90s they gave... frosted yeah, tips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So- I didn't really think of Billy as the kind of guy that I would fancy, if that makes sense. He's, he's, a, he's a lead singer and he's great. And he's obviously going to be super attractive to loads of people. And he's clearly charismatic and wonderful. But I always felt that the whole point about Billy was that he was not now heartthrob he was boy next door heartthrob yeah he was then heartthrob yeah there's other casting though Mm -hmm. and i'm extending casting to include some of the uh, the costuming choices (laughs) or the bad wigs which is very bad bad wigs (laughs) (laughs) karen's fucking wig (laughs) Oh my god! So Karen in the show is the keyboard player. She's played by uh, Suki Waterhouse, yeah, who is a model and obviously very beautiful. Well, let's say obviously she she is, but she has this terrible, like bad Debbie Harry wig, and it's just like she's not the only person. Camilla has some. Camilla, who is Billy's wife, has some shitty wigs too. The women particularly have awful wigs. The women got done in the show done dirty Simone has a mixed bag Simone is Daisy's best friend Karen's wigs and Karen's casting right. so Suki Waterhouse I actually really by the end of it really enjoyed her and yeah. the role this is where the comparison of the book really does Karen to disservice because in the audio book which as I previously mentioned I think was a full cast audio book Judy fucking Greer yeah And Karen is played by Judy Fucking Greer, who's aka one of the greatest unsung comedies comedy actresses. Like she is, if you don't know who Judy Greer is, first of all, shame on you. Why are you listening to our podcast? Second (laughs) of all, she is the the best friend in every rom com. She's, She's in Archer. She's in. Arrested Development. She's in. Oh my god, she's in so much stuff. She's in twenty-seven dresses. She's in twenty-seven dresses. She's um, just fantastic. She's hilarious, yeah. and her performance of Karen is incredible. Mm. And you no know, disrespect to Seeky Waterhouse, a quite a bit more believable. Uh, yeah. Again, you know, she had a book to work with rather than yeah. a script, so you know, there's there's different levels of depth, but it meant that. From the beginning when Suki Waterhouse House Karen came on, I was like, Why the fuck is she British for a start? Yeah, completely why? And then I was no, like, not. Okay, fine. Actor's gonna act her. She's clearly really beautiful, she's lovely to look at. We'll put <laughs> Sam Cleffin in it who's British and given an American accent, but we'll bring Suki Waterhouse in and keep her accent. Sure, great. Whatever. Sure. But I was like, okay, no, she's doing a great job. She's she, I really I really liked her, actually. She was one of the characters in this show that I thought. She wasn't given loads to do, but did quite a lot Mm. with it. Mm. And she has a difficult story. But at the same time, I felt like, and I felt this with a lot of the plot lines, which I think we'll we'll get into, is that there was a lot of sidelining of her story and how brilliant and revolutionary and awesome she was and how important she was to the characters in it. Mm -hmm. You know, she wasn't just a side character, whereas in the show, she's a side character, like everyone's a side character in the show. And I think that's what really annoys me. yeah it's a show of two leads and six side characters, and I just Seven. felt like they did they did her wrong, but they didn't do her like the most wrong they did her was that terrible, terrible wig. Oh God, it was so bad. it was like she was wearing about five bumpets yeah. underneath, yeah, and you know a back comb is a back comb is a back comb, but that was not yeah. the one. But Yeah, that's the casting. And then obviously in, in terms of other characters, we had, we had Graham who is Billy's brother and is the guitarist, lead guitarist in the band. I thought he was fine. He rem- oh, he seemed like he he seemed like he would be cast as a hobbit in a current remake of Lord of the Rings, that's but really he was fucking good though. Right? <gasps> you're right. so right. You're so right. Yeah. Like he looks like he's asking for second breakfast all the time. Oh, um, you just want to give him a hug. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. He was he was very cute. But I always imagine Graham as a lot more like stoic and the quiet, sensitive one, rather yeah. than like the which didn't he just rather seemed a bit re- needy, a bit of a dweeb, a bit of a dweeb He was a bit dweeby, yeah. But I think that was more the characterization than the casting. Yeah, there was uh, who did you hate? Eddie, you didn't oh like Eddie, my did you? God, right? Who Are we the, ready for? Let's who's for ready the other part? We okay, we get we'll come to back to Eddie. Eddie. <laughs> we'll circle back to Eddie. Then so it was Graham, Eddie, Billy. Daisy. Oh, the drummer. Warren. 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 I loved Warren. Warren. Big fan of Warren. Was perfect. Warren was a drummer. Warren's (laughs) casting. (laughs) Warren's like portrayal. The most authentic part was Warren I'm. I just, just as soon as he came on I was like I, I love you for I hated you in the book in the sense that I you know like misogyny and all that sort of stuff but like you are exactly what you should be in fact you are more yeah. lovable and oh my god the bit where Eddie leaves the band by just walking away from the bus and Warren's in the bus waiting for him to come on the bus yeah. and I was like no, no my baby <laughs> now, what are you doing <laughs> Why would you hurt him? How dare you? <laughs> he was the most cinnamon bun. Oh my God. Fucking. He was just like, I just want to be happy. Like, I'm having the yeah. best fucking time. He's like, I'm in a fucking back. He was the person that they all should have been. Not that they should, you know, it should all be the same, but he was just like, we're in the biggest fucking man in the world, guys. Isn't this great? Oh my God, we're making music. Isn't yeah. it lovely? Look at us, like, we're here. Everything ah, is great. I've got a movie star girlfriend. Like, he was very... I love him. Yeah. So yeah, kudos to that. Yeah. But yeah so Warren. Or an Eddie Graham. Well, we've got come back to Eddie. Billy, Daisy. Though in the book, there is... I'm going to touch on this very briefly and we'll talk about some of the changes (laughs) in a bit. But in the book, there is a sixth member, which is why it's called Daisy Jones and the Six, which they just conveniently gloss over by going, oh, but uh, but maybe it's funny that there's six of us when there's only five. (laughs) No, the other way around. There is another member of the band called Pete, who is Eddie's brother, who is one of the guitarists... And he just is very non-problematic in the books. Marries his childhood sweetheart and is just along for the ride. But they they cut him early on. They kind of amalgamated him. They did. So they amalgamated Pete with the, the original bassist who became a dentist. But in the book, there was a bit more to that. In that there was an original bassist called Chuck who left and, and died in Cambodia during the War. He was drafted War. to the army, yeah. Yeah. And then they brought in Eddie, and that Pete was the bassist, and they brought in Eddie to be rhythm guitar and all this sort of stuff. And it was... I understand why they did it, but it did a disservice, I think, to some of the stuff. And then there's Camilla, who is the wife yeah, she's she was so taped much by more, she's Camilla Moraine? Moraine. She's so much more than the wife. But she comes into it as Billy's girlfriend. But and she comes Robin's into wife. it as Billy's girlfriend and then wife, yeah. and and then there are that as you mentioned, there's Simone and then there's Teddy, who's the music producer, and Rod, who's the tour manager, <laughs> who's fucking Timothy Oliphant. Oh, yeah. Why? Excellent. Um, and well, as you said, I think that we're we're shortly gonna have a break. Mm-hmm. I just want to talk about Eddie. You really didn't like Eddie. I don't remember hating Eddie this much in the book. Eddie was a brat in the book as well. Eddie was a brat in the book. But in the show, he was fucking insufferable. I literally, so Mm. when I was watching the show for this episode, (laughs) I had a pack of post-it notes next to me which i was trying to be terribly terribly organized this time because normally sam's super organized and makes excellent notes and i show up with wine and feelings and this time (laughs) i was like i'm gonna show up with wine feelings and a post-it note (laughs) the big three yeah Yeah. so and i did that and i had my post-it note but except all i wrote was eddie dash annoying like i wrote other things but the main thing i wrote was eddie dash annoying that was the main reason i wrote the post-it note because he was so fucking annoying Mm. and he just kept getting more annoying and honestly in the last episode, spoiler alert in the last episode they talk about like what they did after the band broke up and he's like oh yeah no I started a band we didn't do so great like I'm still playing, it's fine my life is fine and I was like fuck you Eddie cheers to that serves you fucking right you miserable cunt Yeah, he was so ungrateful he was ungrateful But Billy did also treat him like shit. I disagree, right? Okay. I think that at the end, Billy actively treated him like shit. But when it, no, from the very beginning when he was like, you have to be a bassist now. But I don't think that that was, it's not personal. I think that. It wasn't a question, it was a. He never fucking said anything though, did he? People aren't happy about it. Use your fucking words. Okay, fair enough. Are you a grown man? Do you have feelings for 20 years and then not fucking say anything? Use your fucking words instead of shagging someone's wife. Have you met men? Moaning. (laughs) Have you met men? (laughs) Unfortunately. (laughs) Sadly, we all have. Um, I just have a lot of feelings about people not using their fucking words. The only thing that Eddie did was shag Billy's wife in the show. Which doesn't happen in the book. Which doesn't happen in the book. and And then just piss about it like he's just a little piss pot like <laughs> <laughs> he is he is the kind of person who would be like oh my god i'm in the friend zone he, oh, Yeah, that's exactly yeah. why i don't like him that's <laughs> <laughs> oh my god you're so right <laughs> yeah i i didn't hate him as much as you did because i thought the whole point was to be like you know what billy's a cunt in multiple ways and i think that it's quite a common band dynamic is the tension between the bassist and the lead singer. There are tensions within bands. There are common themes that pop up. Drummers are happy doing their own thing for the most part because no one can compete with them. Guitarists all fight about, about things. Yeah. And there will always be someone else who wants to be the front man. And so I found that believable. But I do think that Eddie should have left sooner. <laughs> I just feel like he's hypocritical and a piss pot and one sided. I just I just really didn't like him and I think That's that fair. I feel bad because actually a lot of the time you know, it's not that I don't recognise that he felt away and had little little sibling syndrome, which Lord knows I can relate to. Alright Luigi. Yeah, but if if people discuss their feelings, Kim, where would the angst come from? In these I shows? would be out of a job. <laughs> There you go. On that note, I think it's time for us to have a break. But before we do, I think we should probably talk about the wine because we've literally finished it. Oh my Um, God, we powered through. Yes, Uh, what did you think? Dangerously quaffable. Yeah, well, clearly. Yeah, yeah. under an hour and it's gone. Really drinkable. I've really enjoyed it. I said to Sam before we started recording that I was very much in the mood to drink this Tuesday evening. But I wasn't expecting... To like it quite as much as I have. Sam, what about you? Yeah, I like it. It was. It's very, like you say, it's very quaffable. You kind of. You don't really realise you're drinking it, and then you're like, "Oh, my glass is empty." <laughs> ah, yeah. oh. which is good. It is a light red. It. It makes a big deal on the tasting notes it. about being full body, big, bold, and rich. And I'm like, I don't think it is bold and rich, but I don't think it suffers for that. I think it's, it's good. It's, it's a crowd pleaser. Yeah, I think mm. this is a good. You could serve this at any point. You could have this with dinner, with beef short ribs, whatever It's on the tasty notes. It's definitely one that, like, if you just had it lying around or if you just grabbed it off the shelf, you'd be happy with it. Also, it looks fancy enough that if you went somewhere, you could be like, hey, I got you this. Yeah, that's so true. Cool. We're going to have a break. We're going to have a wee. And then we'll be back after the break to talk more about Daisy Jones and the Six. So we are back from the break to talk some more about Daisy Jones and the Six. Kim and I have moved on to our respective different wines, I think, because we are running low now. We've talked a bit in the first half about various changes that were made between showing show and the book in terms of, you know, characters being amalgamated and, and certain representations. There were a few, even though the plot was generally the yeah. same. Would you like to talk about those? I think the... Th- Part of what I found so difficult with all the changes was that they seemed pointless. They were arbitrary. There were there were some changes that were significant. We've talked about the amalgamation of characters Paint. and 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 which essentially left out. They made a very passing reference to the Vietnam War, and it left out a huge chunk of the reason why this music and stuff was res- resonant at the time yeah you know that it rebellion was that that so politically charged yeah which is one thing and it's also something that i genuinely enjoy about books set in america set during this era because it's something that we don't learn about mm-hmm. in the uk and there were lots of little changes around the, the kids that they had or a lot of the characters or the way that people met people. Um but I think one of the biggest changes that I thought you might want to talk about. <laughs> I know what this is is Prince Nicky. Fucking Nicky. Oh. Uh, talk about arbitrary. So in the book Nicky is an Italian sort of prince but not really prince because obviously doesn't have a monarchy anymore but from a family that was Royalty adjacent who Daisy meets on a break after the band of recorded Aurora, she just fucks off because she's so in love slash annoyed with Billy, so she fucks off to I don't even think she's in Italy they're in the Philippines or somewhere yeah. like that isn't it it's somewhere she's um, she's definitely Eastern all over Asia. Place, yeah, and she meets this this guy, Nikki who is this Italian prince and then whirlwind romance quote unquote and then they they get married and then she turns back up for the Aurora tour and oh look, she married. Spoiler, it doesn't mm. last very long. In the show, Irish. For why? For, for, for Purpose. And they don't even meet in the same place. They meet in Greece. He's from an Irish nobility background. He's still a douche. <laughs> that, they kept that. Yeah. He's still an abusive douche, douchehole. hole. But he's almost, but. Less, <sighs> less interesting because it's like, there's no real context they don't, they give, this goes back to the pacing of the show that I think we talked about yeah they, really they give fucked three up fucking episodes of songwriting songwriting, and like one episode of Nicky mm-hmm. I, I said at one point that Grease felt like a filler episode because mm. it was like one episode of Nicky in which he goes from like isn't he great to oh he's a twat and it's like oh okay, what? what? like oh, I missed yeah. this yeah and then also, the whole thing is when they introduce him in Greece, it's almost like Daisy's found this new wholesome background and they get married, and it's all very hippie, but not. There's not really the drug taking aspect where they're not. It's not hedonistic. Exactly, it's not hedonistic, it's almost wholesome. Mm. And you think he's this wholesome guy. And then they go on tour, and then he's doing more coke than she is, and all and this kind of thing. And he's all about the coke. And he's all, man's all about the coke. Yeah, to the point that Daisy takes an overdose, and then he just leaves her, and Billy has to deal with it. And then fucking comes back like nothing happened. And then comes back and he's just like, oh, how you doing?" It's like you fucking love me to die in the shower, you cunt. Yeah, so it it doesn't marry up. Whereas the whole point in the book is that they have this whirlwind, and they are just. This this hedonism is there throughout their, yeah. their relationship, and that, that but he, also that he exacerbates can... the destruction, the self destructive side of Daisy because that's who he is as well. But yeah. also that you can believe that those things attracted each other. Yeah. Whereas in this, you believe that one side of Daisy, the side that we see grown up, you know, with mm. with her life and her sobriety, is attracted to this sobriety in him and and, yeah. and this peaceful. That's like what you're supposed to feel. And yet you also get this setting fire of, of chaos. And it they don't work. Mm. And I think that you're meant to, in that moment, get a glimpse of who she could be. I think that's what the show was going for. But again, they did that thing where they amalgamate a, a series of different moments yeah. into one person and make it worse. yeah yeah i think that what this show tried to do a lot was show not tell Mm. and i think this leads me to another big change which is that i felt during the book my memory of the book and bearing in mind i read this you know four years ago or whatever was that their relationship was not consummated what, Nikki and Daisy? No, 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 Billy and Daisy. Billy and Daisy. The, yeah, no, they never slept together. They, they never in slept the... together, but they they never really did I, anything. I thought that, no, I thought there was a one-off kiss. Yeah, a one-off um, kiss. But it wasn't a continual sort no, of thing. No, whereas I feel like in the show, I, again, they don't sleep together, which is, is good. I'm glad that they didn't change that. Mm. But I felt like the sexuality between them and the, the the kissing and the making out and the, all that sort of stuff. I felt like that there was a lot more of that in the show, like I and I might be misremembering the book, but I think that generally the tone of the book was, in a weird way, almost like what, yeah, Austenite, which is the, you get the lot the longing. Yearning, <laughs> which I I, mean, I obviously love a yearn, very sexy, but <laughs> <laughs> I love a hand stretch, uh, <laughs> a flex, <laughs> a flex. But in yeah. this show, like it, it felt like what they were in the show, what they were trying to do was give you the yearning, but then also give you something for the yearning, like give you a little bit. It was and that they actually, were trying to give like, you tiny payoffs for? do give it. you the tiny payoff. No. Like it would have been better if they had. Kissed once. There was the moment in the last episode where they're like making out. They've just come off stage and they're making out because Billy'd fallen off the wagon. Yeah, and then, yeah. And I felt like that wasn't about. That was about giving people a, a kissing scene, but then they had to make it moralistic, and be like, "Ah, oh, but you're not sober, and oh I don't want to be somebody's. You know, I don't want to be broken and blah blah blah." And I was like. I just felt like it made it tawdry like it made it sad yeah, yeah. and which made the ending so much harder to get on just board I- with so for context if you haven't seen it Billy kisses Daisy in the parking lot outside the recording studio because he wants her to sing a certain way mm. is the way it's sold obviously he just wants to put his tongue down her throat but he's like you know I'm going to make you angry so that you sing this better hmm she sings it then she fucks off to Greece and marries this guy and then there's moments from that when they're on tour where it's all very close and blah 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 and she's trying to be sober or she's trying to create rules around her sobriety mm. and then in the final episode where you're saying you know they've just come off stage and they're, they're, they're kissing behind the kissing behind the scenes it's like it feels like you've been cheated to go through this entire build up of like, fuck, they've had one kiss. Ah, mm. ah, ah. And that's what's so good about the, the book is that the, the longing is really there. To then just cut to them snogging in the back of the of the stage. You're like, and it feels completely unbelievable. Oh, really? Was it all this build up just for a fumble? Yeah, that's a fact. It's really it feels bad. Like a fumble at a party. Yeah. And it's not yeah. even a believable fumble at a party <laughs> because <laughs> No. As if, I'm sorry, I'm not a rock star, shocker, and neither are you, but we've been in enough scenarios where enough events happen to know that there is literally no situation in which they would be the only people in that room. No. And so it just feels so unbelievable and just for the show. (sighs) Yeah, and then the whole him running off stage to go and be with Camilla thing at the end and leaving Daisy to finish the gig on her own. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Uh." (laughs) And the whole point is, we'll talk about the women within the series Mm. that aren't Daisy, but you're not made to feel in the book like there is this very obvious choice between Daisy and Camilla, or that it is a matter of duty. With the show, Camilla feels like the dutiful option. It's very... Have you read The Age of Innocence? no but i am aware of it right so it's that dynamic with the countess olenska oh, mm. and the main character whose name i can't remember but anyway this like idea of the, the madonna whore thing mm-hmm. and him running off at the end just felt so like running to the airport uh, yeah which doesn't happen in book and doesn't i just... i agree with you it made it made it weakened camilla it did. It did. It weakened Camilla. And this really gets to the heart of why I disliked more than the book. Like, I, I liked both, but like, I I didn't particularly love the show. Sh- shocker. <laughs> because I think that it weakened something that I found in the book both surprising and strong, which was the relationship between Billy and Camilla. Yeah. In the book, and I think at the beginning of the show, Camilla is a character she is a person she is it she is fully rounded she is a force to be reckoned with she is an inspiration she is a muse but she is her own artist as well and i think there was a moment in the show uh, which i'm sure comes from the book which which was do you think that i moved to la for you yeah i moved with you yeah yeah and I was like, "Yes, exactly." You moved with because you also had dreams. And then the rest of the show is like, "Now fuck that." <laughs> yeah. We're like, you know, she wants to be a photographer. She had a baby now, so we'll just leave her to it. Yeah. It was very much She's that over there having a baby. She's over there, she had a baby, so and she can't that's possibly she do anything else. And then she just kind of swans in awesome. with these like terribly sage moments of like I'm so sage and I'm just going to smile <laughs> benignly. I'm so and sage right I'm now. I'm just going to be beautiful and smile <laughs> benignly, like I'm like I'm a forty year old woman even though I'm twenty fucking five. It takes these really excellent characters that I think that we both agreed in the book were. The best part of the book. They're the characters yeah. that we remember from the book. I yeah. remember Karen. I remember Daisy. I remember Camilla. I, don't I remember fucking right. Pete. I don't remember Pete. I don't remember Warren. You said Pete two weeks ago when we were talking about this. And I was like, who the fuck was Pete? <laughs> I remember Julia, who was a mm-hmm. fucking child. I remember Simone. And it's like this show takes all of them and says okay well what what trope can we make them can we make them the career woman who doesn't want to have a baby and is clearly a fucking bitch because of it can we make them the manic pixie dream girl mm. who is everything that you ever wanted but you can't have and you can't pin down can we make them the madonna who is your the mother of your child and wears fucking white floor length gown?" Night dresses, (laughs) and is so pure and waltzes in with her sage advice and then fucks off again. And then there was snobby, and then they were all snobby, and it just, and it just made all the women into stereotypes. Mm. It made all the characters into stereotypes, not just the women. I have to say, because Eddie became a stereotype of a villain, and then you even had Simone who becomes a stereotype of a lesbian woman. And not just a lesbian woman, but the they a, a lesbian a, a queer woman of colour, where they just went, ah, oh, fuck, we've got too many straight white people in the show. What are we gonna do? Pow. She gay now. She, yeah. I d- I d I don't remember her being queer in the book, but that's not But even <sighs> if the, if she you know, if she was queer or whatever, they made a character that I remember being very vibrant. She's literally a disco queen. Isn't she the most fucking boring went blanket whiny character? Yeah, she was quite whiny. And I just felt like they did that. They, I think they did that with Camilla. In my mind, Camilla has always been a fire. Mm. She was... But she's like a smouldering fire. Yeah. Whereas Daisy's are hot, like flares up. and Yeah. And I just felt like they really did, oh, they really did Eddie Dirty. They did. they, they did, did Camilla, Camilla dirty. dirty. Yeah, they absolutely did. And I think they also did her dirty by having her sleep with Eddie because, (laughs) well, A, it's Eddie. Um, But but B, it was like they went, you know, we've somehow got to make Billy's anything justifiable or we have to have this kind of balance and show that she's not perfect either. And the only way that they could show that she wasn't perfect was by having her fuck another guy. It's like, do you know, there are so many other ways you could have done this. It's not an eye, and they did the sort of eye for an eye thing of like when Billy was was drinking and taking a lot of drugs, and obviously mm. he was repeatedly cheating on Camilla for the first time on tour, and they just kind of went, "Oh well, you know, we need to add some some more spice to this thing. What can we do? I'll ha- have the wife shag the the bassist, mm. but also like that's the same. Yeah, well, yeah, not even, yeah, it's not the same thing, but it's not the same. But it was just. But so, also, it reduces it was her so, like, entire value. It was so first thought. Like, what can we have her do? Yeah. Cheat on it. It reduces her entire value to her sexual relations with Billy. Yeah. Which is the whole fucking problem. Yeah. It just made me cross. I thought that for a <sighs> book written yeah. by a woman, converted into a show in which the woman is an executive producer, mm. that is centering around not being the news, not being the side of. Like Karen and Camilla and Daisy, their whole point is we are not the side of Billy's sh- story. we are the story. That's the point of the book. yeah, the show is Billy and Daisy's story, and even then, Daisy's story is cut, abridged, reduced, yeah to that she only made music because of Billy. Mm. And that makes me angry. Speaking about things that the book did in a much more nuanced way. Yes, I think that one of the things that the show really puts at the forefront is the question of addiction and Billy's addiction arcs. Yes, in a way that I don't necessarily remember. Like, I obviously I remember the addiction and everything in in the in the book, but I think that the show was making a real point about this Mm. about addiction and i feel like i know that you had thoughts about this as well Mm -hmm. so what are your thoughts about the show's take on addiction versus the book's take on addiction so i don't know if it's necessarily one versus the other but what i do appreciate about this show and book is that it's very easy slash very lazy for you to have a character who descends into some sort of addiction only to have to completely reevaluate everything they're doing and miraculously come out of it at the end and you know, whether that's through rehab or or therapy or, or something else, as a satisfying combination to a story. What I do appreciate about both forms of this story is that, like, within the first 30% of the book, that Billy starts on tour with the band before they get big, just as they're on the brink of getting big. He struggles with alcoholism, he struggles with with substance abuse of various kinds, dries out when his daughter is born, for want of a better word, goes to, goes to rehab. I don't want to say gets better, that's not what I mean, but overcomes his, overcomes addiction. his addiction, finds a way to live a life of sobriety, and then the following narrative, when they get big, is, is very focused, particularly in the show, I think you see it, with his struggle with sobriety and how it is a day-to-day process. It's not just one hurdle you overcome, it's something you have to face every single day mm. and he's faced with temptation every day and he's, you know, and in Daisy and this person that he loves, he's... You know whether it is never acknowledged that he loves her verbally, but he does love her in his way. She loves mm-hmm. him in their way, in her way. That he is confronted with some of his worst demons mm. in human form, almost, and in and temptations. And part of the whole reason that he writes the songs that are in Aurora and also in the album before is that they are an ode to Camilla for getting him out of that. I think that's what makes this show good: is the fact that it's not sex, drugs, rock and roll, I mean it is but it's not shit, everything descends into chaos at the end, it's one man's consistent battle with this throughout it, and whether you like Billy or not and it's very easy to dislike Billy I think, you have to respect his dedication to sobriety throughout it, and in the series I think they're a bit more blasé towards the end Mm. with that journey, in the book he has one drink at one point and then that's it and I've not been through that journey myself, but I just think they do it in a really considered way that I haven't seen before. I yeah. I think you've put that really well and I really agree. Like it doesn't take sobriety for granted. It yeah. doesn't take drug addiction for granted. The book especially really does challenge it without making it an after school special. And I think mm. the show as as we've talked about it kind of does things to extremes more than the book because I think that's a visual medium. But I agree, like it it shows the reality of being a person who is trying to be sober in an environment that is not encouraging to that. Exactly. And I really appreciated it. What did you think at the end when had the actors play the same characters? 20-something years on, 30 years on, but with straight hair. <laughs> straight hair. Straight hair means you're old. And a cardigan. Straight hair and a cardigan means you're old. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. How did you find that? Because it, God, the ending was terrible. Uh, weren't, weren't great. So, on my aforementioned post-it note of notes, I referred to the ending of the show as a How I Met Your Mother ending. Mm. Which is that the two people who you've determined are clearly not good for each other and the whole show has been like they're not good for each other and it's all this about is a bad idea. someone else and actually just because you have a connection with someone does not mean that they're the love of your life and actually <laughs> the love of your life is someone else then somehow get together because reasons <laughs> they really hallmark movieed that shit up at the end where they're like we're older now because we have bad wigs <laughs> and softer lighting, yeah. and now we can be together because my wife's dead, and Even I've respected her memory long this, enough. Yeah, and then the the yeah. daughter who you've just met, being like, yeah, no, it's really hard, and I knew all of this because I knew everything. But also, why don't you tell me? Because nothing says love like telling your daughter your trauma. And then, (laughs) and then they're like, oh, but by the way, spoiler alert the entire reason I did this entire documentary that I've made you relive every single trauma, including abandoning me as a baby and being a drug addict, is because actually I want you to get back together with the woman that nearly destroyed your life surprise it's with most blessing mm. like fuck off it was so it was so crap i i don't have words it made me really angry <laughs> i think that there is an a, there is a belief and there is a feeling in popular culture and stories and things that the person that you have a passionate balls out you know fighting etc relationship is the one Mm -hmm. that is the love of your life that that's love that love is passion and disagreements and taylor swifting kissing and fighting and and rain-esque yeah and that actually it does a disservice to the kind of love that i think so many people really truly experience which is the We work on it. We love each other. We have our passionate moments. We have our steady moments of the Camillas of the world. And I consider myself more of a Camilla of the world. And I think it does a disservice to that kind of steady love. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And one of the things that I think I liked about the Daisy Jones book in the first place was that it did something for... That. I left that book feeling like the heart of it was that you can have a hurricane come through and you can still have the foundation of your life. You yeah, can still have a that's love that you very love. beautifully put. Mm. And then I feel like this book was like Chase the Hurricane. This show was like Chase the Hurricane. Yeah. And I think that that does a disservice to solidity very well put I think that brings us to the end it does but before we go we have wine and we have a show slash book to rate how do you want to do that should we do it as a show and book separately yeah I think so so let's start with the show first how did you rate the show so I did think the show was good I know we've obviously (laughs) given our criticisms on this Mm. I think it is enjoyable if you're a music buff i think it's enjoyable if you are a fan of a slow burn um if you are looking for empowered female characterization potentially not and if you are looking for something a bit more complex this might not be your thing so i'm gonna give the show Three bordering three point five because I enjoyed it despite my reservations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I I agree. I think that the show itself is is entertaining. Like I I definitely think if I hadn't read the book, like I think that I'd find the show really entertaining. It did make me the first like six episodes that I watched made me really fucking sad, which was timing more than yeah. anything, but I I watched the last couple of episodes recently and I I just think it's a really good show. It's well produced, it's too long, but it's very entertaining. I think 3, bordering right. on 3.5. So yeah. I think I'm going to go with solid 3 yeah. because I think that that's fair. And how about the book? I gave the book 4 mm-hmm. and I stand by that because... Yeah. When I gave it that, I think that I gave it that because I was disappointed in some of the ways that it ended, which now I've come to love, but at the same time I think that it it lacks in other areas, which has almost come to light because of watching the show. So the development of certain characters and the exploration of certain narratives, I think lax but I, I truly love the way as I've said about Camilla and, and the the championing of a solid character drugs 70s fanfare, rock and roll not always going to be a hard sell for me it's probably not going to be a five, 5 grape for me but mm-hmm. 4 grapes for me 4? What gave. about you? I gave the book a 5 mm. on Goodreads when I read it slash listen to it I do wonder if that would have been different if I had read it with my eye holes rather than listening to <laughs> being told I think I do think it's a book that does lend itself really well to oral uh, slash a u. R A L, not the other one, mm-hmm. because it has so many characters. It is essentially a series of interviews. I bought a copy of the book after having listened to the audiobook because so I knew I enjoyed it so much I wanted a physical copy. And and, and flicking through it that way, it does become difficult sometimes to differentiate because you just sort of skim over some of the characters. Yeah. And the performances are fantastic. So I think it may have been different had I had a physical reading of it rather than uh, rather than listening to it but I'm going to stick with my five mm. uh, because it's a book that gave me book hangover yes um, definitely and the performances are fantastic I think there's a nuance there's a there's an ambiguity there that there isn't in the show and these characters weren't perfect but that was what made them great mm. So yeah, I'm gonna go for five. Nice. And how about the making tracks Shiraz? The, the making tracks <laughs> Shiraz off yeah. of South Australia. So I bought this mm-hmm. on the mix six, mm-hmm. which means that it was seven pounds ninety nine. Okay. Regular price ten pounds ninety nine. I think that's okay. I agree. Yeah. I think that it has been a really quaffable one i'm gonna give it a four mm. Mm. Uh, i think that it's more book than show i think that it is very easy drinking very easy drinking but with flavor it's dangerously quaffable so and it doesn't have the butter so it's not a five what about you yeah i th- i I think i'm gonna go with a four mm-hmm. do you know what daisy jones is daisy jones is you've been out you come home with friends you're chilling out you're having some snacks you're having maybe another couple of drinks you want something you know you're gonna have a conversation yeah you you don't necessarily want to pay attention you might want something that someone can occasionally sing along to you don't want the song you don't just want music because you want something on the screen yeah yes it's so true yeah So that brings us to the end of the episode this week. If you have enjoyed it, please don't forget, if you are listening on an Apple device, do go and rate the show. You can also check out our website, which is grapeculturepodcast.co.uk. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram, not Facebook, because Facebook is trash. Um, But we'll be back in two weeks' time with a new episode, which will be us talking about The Flatshare by Beth O'Leary. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. On this week's episode, we are talking about the book and TV show Davy Jones and the Six by Taylor... Davy Jones. Davy Jones. (laughs)